cool. I know that you have like your own intro that you're gonna add to this too. Well, we both do actually. Yours is just a lot more produced and better sounding than mine. But, uh, but anyway, we're gonna we're trying a, another cross-platform thing here. I've done this once before with another podcast, and uh, but anyway, we might as well try it again here. So we, we might as well both introduce ourselves, and then uh, to each of our prospective audiences. Not like we haven't heard each other already four times each, I think, on both shows, but. Um, I'm Zach with the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, and I'm here with uh, Mark from Hey Mark. So, you know, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's going <laughs> Even on, everybody, guys? Everybody knows who we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. This is going to, yeah. So this is going to air most likely on both podcast platforms. So for everybody listening, what's going on? My name is Mark from Hey Mark. We just chat about mental health and self-development and just bringing up topics that don't get to come up on a daily basis. And I think that's pretty much what Zach and I are going to do tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this. It's nighttime for us, though. What's going on, Zach? How you doing, man? Not much, man. A little bit uh, low on energy, still still recovering a little bit from getting those three wisdom teeth pulled out. But um, I don't know, today's kind of the first day I can talk again. My jaw isn't, uh, isn't feeling like I need to keep it shut. So anyway, we'll see how this goes. It should be fun. We don't have to go too, too late since it's already getting later. Both of us are... Uh, <laughs> pretty early birds so <laughs> i imagine we won't take it too late yeah man how's that mouth feeling dude how was the weekend were you able to eat anything oh yeah you know what i uh yeah i caused a little bit of bleeding myself but uh yeah i, I was eating pretty quick I, I think i went on about 48 hours of a fast and i said this is dog shit enough of this i need to eat and then uh sure enough yeah ripped a couple stitches out bled a little bit but hey uh, i was nourished and <laughs> i'm still alive now so i don't know no complaints did you get the uh dissolving stitches or did you yank them out yourself or do you have no. to go back i mean no dissolving stitches i think that's all they do now right why would they even put in the old school stitches i think yeah i don't know I had dissolving stitches, I think, when I got mine done, but I ended up just pulling them out. They kept getting stuck in my tooth and it was like really bothering me. So I just ended up pulling it out, man. Yeah, yeah. No, they these ones are dissolving. But uh, anyway, nobody wants to hear about my teeth or my, well, terrible breath that goes along with those open wounds in my mouth right now. So um, thankfully, you can't smell through this microphone and into your headset. But uh, anyway, I figured we could roll into kind of a little bit of... Um, uh, a little bit of, I don't know, current events today. We've got we've got kind of a big update across Canada. It sounds like it's actually going to be spilling over into the states a little bit, from what I had read. Well, we've got the uh, Canadian trucker rally going across from British Columbia all the way to Ottawa. It left uh, Delta, which is kind of the main uh, port of Vancouver on the west coast. Here, uh, it left on Saturday, and it, or maybe Sunday morning. Sunday morning. And it's going to be arriving in Ottawa on Saturday. And it sounds like even 600, 600 plus trucks and big rigs are coming up from the States to join that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that this weekend. Actually, I know a couple of people that left this weekend to head over there. Um, the one thing I think this is really cool because I've kind of heard it being spun in a couple of different ways in the media. Yep. But it's been interesting to see how many people kind of on all sides are supporting this kind of movement because I think most people understand or realize like without this like kind of international relationship or just being able to have our truckers do their jobs without any interference like we don't get to function properly and that's yeah. kind of an as above so below situation like it's it's kind of like um yeah I don't know what your thoughts are on that 
Well, I think it's interesting, right? Because I mean, everything, uh, everything, you know, about world trade and everything with the world economy is so interlocked now. And so, um, but yeah, like you take out what a lot of people would kind of, I assume anyway, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but you kind of overlook the shipping of the material. You know, you think about the process, about, you know, the raw materials, but all of that stuff, but you overlook the actual shipping, like how it gets from A to B. And I think, you know, it's obviously one of the biggest key cogs in world trade in, in getting hell, even food to grocery stores and getting, you know, anything, any supplies that we need, getting it anywhere from A to B. And uh, for that to just, for them to kind of protest, to take a stand. And I know in this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, having a spine and the idea of cowardice and victimhood and, you know, all those good buzzwords. But um, it's, you know, it, it's kind of, it's crazy to see, to be honest. And it's kind of cool to see that, you know, it, it, everybody's, everybody's kind of in this together. And I think this, they just have such bargaining power when it comes to taking a stand or, or speaking up against these government mandates. And, you know, like you had said with how, you know, this is kind of swallowing up a lot of people. A lot of people are getting on board. One of the main things that I had seen today uh, put out by the, the convoy or whatever was that the trucking convoy, and this is, I'm, I'm reading it here. The trucking convoy is not anti-vaccination. It is anti-government mandates. Many of us are vaccinated. We simply believe that every Canadian should be free to choose and face no discrimination or restrictions on their freedom due to their choice. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we don't have to get into the whole COVID discussion too much. I, I think we're focusing on other stuff today, but um, the idea that, yeah, this isn't an anti vaccination standpoint it's just a pro freedom standpoint and it's a pro individual choice and i think that uh, i think that's why it's swallowing up so many canadians yeah and i think that it's crazy how the argument itself has been so misrepresented this entire time because like you like i remember it was like probably a year ago they literally tried to change the definition of anti-vax to being like anti-mandate of vax Oh, yeah. I think that's in Merriam-Webster. I think that still is that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I don't know who they're trying to fool because I feel like everyone kind of still has the original understanding of what anti-vax would be. Like anti-vax is not what any of this movement really is. It's a complete misrepresentation. So I feel like even having to state the fact like, hey, we're not anti-vax, we're just anti-mandate. It's like kind of redundant. Like it's like kind of like, yeah, we should all be aligned with that. Like, I don't understand where that even, how that even becomes an important thing to know. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. And to me, I think, I think that that's um, a Canadian ideal. I think that's a Western ideal, that idea of bodily autonomy of choice of uh, freedom, which is again, what this whole movement is for. Um, But what has been amazing to me, and I mean, it kind of rolls right into the cowardice and speaking of spine, like these, truck drivers have enough spine to carry you know the rest of of uh canadians on their shoulders right like it's pretty incredible for them to for them to take this stance and again like i've kind of said it since the beginning but especially the members amongst them who are vaccinated who are standing up for the people who you know they aren't necessarily a member of that group you know they're still able to cross the borders um like unobtrused and they they don't have any problems with that but um they're standing up for their their fellow truckers their fellow canadians and their choice and i think that's again that's the most important voice in all of this is the people who are vaccinated but still standing up for everybody's choice 
Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's funny that they, yeah, that they changed that definition. It's just so that they can use that definition to paint more and more people. Right. So it's, it's just othering. hundred percent, hundred percent. But the, the thing, I think there's so many good things to hit on with this uh, movement with the truckers as well, because it's a perfect representation, exactly of what you're talking about with being the person that stands up for others, even though you're not part of the impacted group, because we saw that big movement, you know, it's kind of like this rippling effect and it's kind of grown more and more. There was people that were a little bit uncomfortable with the masks and then they were kind of, you know, jumping on board with, we got to end these, these mandates and not a lot of people were bought in. And then it kind of escalated further and further. And this crowd that is, you know, kind of, um, I guess, giving resistance to these mandates to, to kind of, for lack of a better term is growing more and more. But it's kind of, we've seen this movement in terms of, you know, the fitness movement when they closed down gyms for, it was just, you know, the unvaccinated can't come in, but then vaccinated people can still come by as long as you wear your mask, et cetera. And nobody was really speaking up at that point. When gyms shut down for everybody across the board, there was a big push to open Mm -hmm. gyms back up. But then when gyms were open back up for, you know, just the vaccinated, the movement kind of was a lot quieter. And I know that there's gyms and fitness facilities to that are kind of more private and they'll allow people to come in. But I think it's disheartening for people to see that, you know, they'll only get the majority buy-in when people are being impacted, when it's like the majority being impacted. But I think this trucker movement is so powerful because it is exactly the opposite. Like, it's like, Hey, we're going to actually stand up for the people, even though we're not all being impacted. And Mm -hmm. that's like the first time where we've seen this representation of, you know, Canadians kind of uniting together, no matter what. Yeah. And, and again, like I, I mean, if I don't think it ever should have had to have come to this, but you know, Canadians and, you know, I mean, if this happened in the States, it'd be Americans the same way too, but anybody who relies on trucking and, and moving, you know, especially food from coast to coast, right. That's the biggest thing. Um, it, it didn't have to come to this. Like it didn't have to come to the trucking sector, potentially bringing the country to its knees, um, cutting off supply chains or at least severely limiting them in order to get people's attention. But it has. And for them to do that, I mean, you can already see it in the the spins of the stories, right? I mean, even the, I think it's the Canadian Trucking Alliance, which is uh, one of the unions um, representing truckers, like they're they're denouncing it like they're getting defamed they're getting painted as crazy i mean even i think they're trying to get that gofundme labeled with a terrorist organization so that the drivers can't access that over four million now four million dollars that have been raised um so that they can't access those funds so i mean you're seeing you're seeing these people take on a lot of um a lot of you know, damage to their reputation, a lot of, a lot of uh, tarring and feathering that's getting thrown at them. And it's just trying to break them. Right. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, even, you know, even through everything that's gone on, like I have the, the, 
I wouldn't say that I have an issue with people who are on board for the, the sake of their health. You know, they trust in the science, they trust in everything that's going on, and they truly do believe that this is the best way out while still maintaining, obviously, the fact that this is comes down to a choice, right? Like, that's the biggest thing to me. But, but it's the people who are just wishy-washy. They're, they're like the jellyfish in all of this. You know, they just go along with the ebb and the flow, the up and the downs. They have, they don't want to make any definitive stance, any which way or the other. They just want to go with whatever public opinion is. Those people drive me crazy. Like, like that level, that level of cowardice. It's, it's too far in to not have an opinion on it. At least stick your neck out and voice your opinion at this point. You know, like it's, it's too far in, it's affected too many people's lives. Every single person on the planet, at least in Canada and the U S has an opinion on this. I mean, unless you're living in a state like Florida where they're like COVID, you guys are still dealing with that. Like have fun. Right. Like, I don't know, to me, to me, like that's, that's what I really admire about this thing is just, they're sticking their necks out. They're getting their backs up. Um, and they're, they're taking a lot of abuse right now in the media from even again, their own, their own unions um, and they're doing it anyway, because it's something that they believe in. And it's something that I think as Canadians, we should all believe in. And I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say that this thing originated in Canada and that it really does have that, um, that effect to, to really unify Canada and get us back on course. Yeah. And I mean, man, there's so much there that you said that's valuable because just the fact that you know, people have, they hold certain opinions, but they're not willing to speak about them or they're not willing to act on them. Or, I mean, the other side of it is the fact that there's going to be people that will speak so loudly, even though that they don't even have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. But dude, that is the most frustrating actually. But that, the thing is, because my, you know, my podcast, I talk about mental health all the time, right? And I worked in a gym before I did this. So I kind of got so used to hearing people say, you know, hey, you know what, Mark, I, I want to lose 20 or 30 pounds. And then I see them posting things on their Instagram saying, you know, they just went to Tim Hortons and grabbed like two dozen boxes of donuts and they're going <laughs> to eat it with with their buddy. And then I get people in my, in my DMS on Instagram talking about, you know, struggles with their mental health. And, you know, we were joking about that post I made the other day of people that, you know, they complain about certain things in their lives, but they aren't willing to like put in the work to change it. I love that post. Dude. Yeah. It made me laugh my ass off just making it because I was like, there's a piece of me that's like that. Like, I'm not so egotistical. That's like, you know, I'm not like that as well. Yeah. Oh, but, all of us are. But, but those things, man, like that's, it just kind of, it reminds me of all, all the time when I hear my friends or people on social media or people on podcasts or anywhere that are just kind of like, Hey, you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I don't really think that the vaccines are, you know, dangerous, but I really just think that they should be optional. Like, that's where I feel like most vaccinated people stand. I think they're like, you know, I think that these are safe and effective, but they shouldn't be mandatory. These should just be optional. I think most people think that way. I think so, too. I, I think I, I think I hold that opinion. I, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that's how most rational people are. They're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what I think is best for me. And uh, I think that most people can do the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when they hold that opinion then when it comes time to kind of 
make the decisions that would be kind of placing the building blocks for those things to be possible in society, then that's where there's kind of like a kind of a misconnection or a disconnection, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like kind of just like the actions aren't aligned with the words that are being said. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think, but I think like even what you had talked about in, in this on a personal level, um, it comes down to making a habit, right? Like, like you had said, like, we all we all have that in us, like, we can all self sabotage, knowing that this isn't what we should be doing, but we do it anyway, right? Or, or knowing what we should be doing and not doing it anyway. Um, but I think it just becomes you've got to create a habit out of at least ignoring that that aspect most of the time and doing what is right. And it's just about creating a habit. And I think that that then flows outward, right? Like it bleeds into other areas of your life. Like, again, like you said, making that decision not to have a donut because you're trying to lose 10 pounds. You know, that's that's a personal decision. It doesn't affect anybody else. Nobody else even has to know about it unless you post it to social media, which everybody does nowadays. But um then that, you know, if you make a habit out of that, you can then it's a building block, then you can start to start to perform that out in life in, in other areas of life where it actually does affect other people. And it bleeds into other areas of life. And, you know, if you, if you say something, you hold an opinion, you're then able to kind of act on it or to show it or exhibit it in real life. And I think that, you know, it all comes down to starting working on yourself, you know, it's, um, you got to start working on yourself before you you start to try to fix things around you. It, it's just the way it is. If you don't have those habits built in, ingrained in your own life, then how do you expect anybody else to ever take you seriously? And I think that's that's a huge thing. And actually, before we get off the topic, um, just because I forgot to talk about it too, is that that gym thing. There are more gyms opening up and coming out in defiance of that too. Like they aren't just they aren't done at this being their finish line. Like they're still rampaging forward. So I I do think, you know, you look out there maybe they aren't as vocal about it, but they're out there. (laughs) Just, just so you know. No, I, I know. I appreciate it as well, man. And I'm not saying that there isn't any, I actually, I do know of a couple here locally and I I don't want to talk about them too, too much and drop names, but the, the fact that we have to discuss it like this is like what scares me the most. Um, and it's just, it seems like even with last year with like, yeah, we can go into free speech if you want, but I was going to say even last year with like some of the bills that were being passed, it feels like that's getting even scarier and scarier to talk about these things, man. Well, that's why I think like, I think again, if, if there's any time to, you know, not, not cow to these, to these mobs or, you know, to, to really shake off or challenge that cowardice that we all have built in and you know exercise your spine a little bit it's now like i mean i'm not i'm not worried about saying it because the gym that i go to is wide open about it but pump house fitness like they're wide open against every mandate they were open through the last shutdown they're done they're absolutely done with any of these phos they aren't worried about it they have been cited with tickets and every time they've gotten cited with tickets their membership has grown they've made more money they've come out ahead farther ahead than before like it's, it's, it's more, it's the fear of speaking up that is that silences most people. It's not the outcome. Like, you know, they get handed a $1,500 fine. Well, then they sign, I don't know, 20 new memberships, you know, that, that day, which is an extra grand a month. And, you know, cumulatively, like it, it just keeps going up. Like they're, they're coming out farther ahead. Every time that this happens, they just get more notoriety. And it's been happening to that. I think it's that iron energy gym in Kamloops and, there's these few gyms that are spearheading it, but 
you know, the, the fear of what might come down is way worse than what actually comes down. Like you start to speak up, uh, it's going to help business. It's going to help. You know what? You're going to lose a few people. Uh, you are. You're not going to please everybody. But I think that more and more people as we enter like, you know, almost year three of this of this mess, um, you know, the time to speak, I think, uh, was a long time ago. But now more than ever, like more and more people are speaking up. Um, add your voice to it. It doesn't have that same, again, it, it's the fear of speaking up, I think that is a lot worse than the actual fallout from it. And I think, you know, once you get over that fear, once you kind of put it out there, um, just good things come. And you know, you can, you can sleep better in light, like you just, you feel better about it. It's, it's something that you've gotten off your chest. You're, um, it, I, I don't know, I can't explain it, to be honest. I, I've, like we've gone over before, i I haven't really cared that much what people think of me. <laughs> I just don't. I have a very low in neuroticism, but, um, but yeah, so that's just, I think that's just ingrained in me, but I, from everybody that I've talked to, who's finally gotten it off their chest and, and made a stance or, or spoken out publicly about it. They just say that it's a, a weight lifted off their shoulders. It just feels better. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like as well, like, I got to say, I definitely agree with what you were saying, because I even made a, a joke about this on my Instagram the other day. I was like, for any of you that are scared that you might like piss people off or, you know, lose friends or anything like that over speaking up over things that you believe in, like to, to a testament to exactly what you were saying, like literally every single time I do my my followers go up every single time, like more and more yeah. people are kind of more interested in that. And I think there's something behind what you're saying as well, because I think when you start to actually like say the things you truly do believe in and you start to actually embody the philosophy that you believe in, like, cause I, th I feel like people gravitate towards doing that because they lack kind of like a bit of identity. Like I, I feel like they maybe don't feel like they have a, an identity or have a purpose or have a direction. So they kind of latch their identity onto these ideas and that kind of, we've discussed how that makes that concrete. But what I've been really realizing recently is they're scared that they, that whatever they speak about is the hill they have to die on. Yeah. Like, you know, like I feel like a lot of the time, and that was even like some of my fear, what caused some of the hesitancy I had about speaking about things on social media or even on my podcast, I was like, well, what if I come out like next year and it's wrong? And then I was like, wait, there's nothing wrong with that. Like people are nothing. so afraid to like just say what they think now in, in fear that in a year or two years or five years or 10 years, they're going to get canceled. Like, why can't we just say, yo, sh I was wrong, you yeah. know? New information came out and I changed my mind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, another thing, another thing about that, all that too, and I think we've talked about it before, and I know that it can be a really positive function of not just society, but of like our friendships, right? Our friend groups is that they kind of keep us sane or they keep us on the right track. And so, but I think it can obviously go um, too far that way where you base all of your self-worth on what other people think of you. And so you end up trying to form yourself up to what you think they would like just so that they end up liking you more when in reality, you aren't even, you aren't even being true to yourself, right? Like you're just, you're trying to fool yourself and attempt to fool everybody else. And it's, it's stupid. Like, I think it just eats away at you again. Like, uh, uh actually, um, 
I won't say her name, but your girlfriend shared a really good thing in this chat that you've got today. But I, I love the quote. It's, I'll just read it here. But uh, before you silence yourself to keep the peace, ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen if I use my voice? Usually the answer is this person may dislike me. And that's it. If you're silencing yourself for this reason, they already don't like you. They only like a fictional version of you. Raise your voice. And to me, like, that couldn't be more bang on if, I don't know, Shakespeare wrote it. Like, it's it's perfect. Like, you're only fooling yourself and then you're you're doing that to try to fool others around you like you're just eating away at yourself you're not being true to yourself you're not you're not actually acting out what you believe like that is just going to eat away at your soul over your lifetime like why put yourself through that why like they don't even like you they just like the image of you that you're portraying why why would you do that to yourself yeah and i think a lot of people do that and i mean we can talk about it politically because I feel like politically people do that. There's the extreme people on the far left. That's like 20% of society or 10, 15. I don't know what you'd attribute that to the equivalent on the far right. And then there's kind of like the, uh, you know, remaining 60 to 80% in the middle. And I feel like all the time they're just trying to like kind of please the extremists because they're convinced that that's kind of the majority and it kind of destroys the rest of everything for everybody because it's like no majority of us kind of think this way you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. but it, it happens everywhere like it happens politically it happens literally everywhere because it happens in high school it happens on job sites like people are so afraid of even just think about our friendship like we started off by talking about just like oh yeah dude like all i listen to is just podcasts while i work like you know it might yep. not be super common with everybody else in the trades. You know, you might, you might be mixing with a, a bunch of different people that, you know, if you're, you're talking about what they think, you know, your typical tradesman banter would be, you wouldn't be able to develop the friendships or, you know, any type of relationship in life. You'd just be literally living in a lie and then wondering why you're so uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or why you, you never talk about anything that interests you or why you never, you never run into anybody who has the same interest as you. It's like, well, obviously, cause you're not even portraying yourself properly. Like, yeah, like, it, I don't know. It all just ties into, I think, I think just, I mean, part of it obviously comes into like spine. We were talking about knowing yourself and just being able to actually present yourself how you are. Like there's, I don't know, to me, it's, it's freeing and, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't, I can't imagine another way to live where you're, you're constantly living, trying to appease somebody else's image of you. Well, bro, we're talking about it in terms of like the things that you talk about or the things you like or the, your, your interests, mm-hmm. but like when you start to do that and you, and you're doing it with values and like, kind of like your actual integrity in society, then that's where things get fucked. Like, how so, how so? what do you mean? Well, like, think about this, man. Like, we're talking about this, like, okay, in like a person to person conversation, like, you know, your interests or the things you talk about. But then think about if you're like, okay, I'm going to just since I'm, I'm, you know, compromising already the things I talk about, you know, maybe some of the people aren't really talking about things that I value. Maybe I shouldn't really talk about my values ever again or maybe i shouldn't even uphold them around these people that don't seem to uphold the same values as i do and then if everyone starts doing that you kind of add to that group that's not doing the values and it contributes to kind of a society where 
you know, we kind of all have these agreed upon values that we've all grown up around, but we're kind of drifting towards, you know, the illusion that other people aren't aligned with these values any longer. And so we start acting out of those values. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, it's, it's getting late here, but yeah, I think so. I mean, to me, like, I don't know. I Like, again, it, I think it's because like, I don't know. I mean, we all go through like different evolutions, right? Even through like uh, friends groups as you grow up, right? Like I know, I know I'm not much older than you, but I know that like even through me, like just recently over this past couple of years, you know, everything that's happened, like you kind of go through another cycle. I think that, I think that the stress of everything is kind of, kind of squeezed it out of everybody. Um, but you do kind of, and I mean, I think this last two years specifically has been kind of a trial by fire and it's specifically has to do with values, right? What do people value most in, in each other in society and whatever? And it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I'd ha- I'd have to say, I mean, there's, there's some friends who I've gotten infinitely closer to and some who I've uh, essentially completely lost contact with over the past two years. Right. And I think it does come down right now, almost specifically to, to values. Um, and it's, it's tough. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been, it's been tough. It's challenging. It's, it's rough to, to break friendships that you've had for years. Right. Or at least to feel like they aren't what they were, or they aren't what they were. And it's, um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's necessary at the risk of sounding callous. That's life. You know, like you're going to go through, through times where, situations change friends change your surroundings change i mean maybe it's uh moving somewhere or maybe it's you know starting a new job or whatever the case may be like i mean how many times have you had friends that you thought were inseparable at work but after you realize it was really the job that kept you guys together like and i I have countless friends like that i have people who i can still now if i pick up the phone call them we'll talk for four hours and it'll be like we never missed a step but we just don't see each other anymore because, you know, work is what bound us together and what kept us going. But, you know, so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a fact of life. And again, without trying to sound calloused, it, it just happens. And, you know, whenever it does happen, I think you end up learning more about yourself and learning more about who those friends are that really do hold the same values as you at the end of it. And so really you do come out ahead despite, you know, that, that burning off of friendships hurts at the time, but then you're left with something new and thriving. Yeah. And I found that throughout the last couple of years of my life, like I used to think of it, like I had to like cut people out. Like I had to like, actually like X them out of my life. Like there had to be a conversation like, yo, we're not friends anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I used to literally think that. And I've realized in the last couple of years that kind of people force their way out of, out of your life naturally. It's kind of, by literally doing exactly what you're saying, right? Like Mm -hmm. when I talk about it in regards to mental health, I talk about it more in regards to behaviors and habits, et cetera. But what you're talking about is the exact same thing. Because when you do that with your values, when you actually live in alignment with your values and you do act every single day, every single one of your behaviors is in alignment with those values, then you obviously attract A, what those values produce and be people that are also aligned with those values. And then obviously your connections grow way long, way, uh, way quicker and way well deeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're right. Like it just, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I just removed my 
exterior hard drive because I was finally done deleting all these excess files. But um, yeah, like it, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just something with life, right? Like, I don't think you can avoid it. I don't think there's any point in trying to avoid it. Um, and again, like when it happens, you're left with a better understanding of where you're standing, a better understanding of what your friendships are like, and just, I don't know, everything's a lot clearer. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I don't really see many negatives. I mean, yeah, it hurts. It's, um, it's tricky, but it's, it's part of growing up. I think that's, that's one thing that I think everybody's pretty accustomed to is that, uh, life isn't easy. And if you, I don't know, that's, that's another thing like we can get into today too, is just, I don't know. I mean, um, everybody's afraid of, of conflict or of, of anything that, that could be cast as, I don't know, some kind of obstruction or difficulty in life. Like, and you do a really good job of, of applying it directly to physical workouts into the gym and to making that connection, which I think is the easiest like mental picture to make. And the easiest way to practice it in life is it's like, well, I can physically conquer this hour in the gym, this 90 minutes in the gym. I can conquer whatever other hardship comes my way. Right. And I think it's really useful. It's something that I've, I've applied as well in my life, but um, yeah, the idea that that, you know, life is going to be easy and you're just going to breeze through it as a, it's a joke. And like, like you better get, get accustomed to the idea of, of facing stuff and facing stuff voluntarily so that you're ready when, when something blindsides you. Not only. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. It is the uncomfortability that develops you. And that is like, kind of, I, I like the way you said it, how kind of fitness shows you that, you know, I can kind of progress in this way. I can kind of do this thing and it makes me progress. But I think there's something even more beautiful to that, which is, and this is kind of my, my own little like spin on it, which is, is the, it's the actual, it's the uncomfortability that's developing you there because mm-hmm. you could go into the gym and just hang out there and kind of nonchalantly move some things around and you won't get much progress, no matter how much time you do that for you could spend 10,000 hours doing that and nothing yeah. will happen. It's the actual stimulation of like kind of the uncomfortability getting outside of your comfort zone, which is what causes the development. And that's even, you know, that can be said as well with living with your values or kind of circling back to that, because, you know, when you actually start to have uncomfortable conversations, you know, Hey, you know, that doesn't really align with my values. I don't really think that that flies around here, whether that's in your household with your children or, you know, wherever it could be just living in tune with those values. And, you know, sometimes that might be uncomfortable, but that's where the development is. And that's how you even fine tune your values. Oh, totally. I mean, that's funny. I had a conversation the other day. Um, somebody at work was a customer was uh, saying something along the lines of, you know, they were, they were asking me a question about all this stuff and about my, um, my status. And I said, uh, I just answered truthfully. And um, they said, Oh, like, are you uncomfortable? I'm like, I've been uncomfortable for the past eight months. I'm like, I am perfectly comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm like, are you uncomfortable? And they're like, well, kind of, I'm like, sorry, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I'm perfectly comfortable being uncomfortable at this point. And I, I love it. I mean, I think it, it goes into again, like what you had talked about and kind of a willingness to face it and face that uncomfortability and adapt to it and try to overcome it. Um, it also comes right along with, and I know we had talked about this off mic is refusing that victim mindset that also goes back to the idea of, 
you know, facing what is going to make you better, not just having that donut, despite the fact you're trying to lose 10 pounds, because then if you have that donut, you know, that same person is going to say, Oh, I'm still a fat shit. Like I haven't, you know, poor me, woe is me. It's like refuse that mentality altogether. Like that's a perspective shift that I think everybody should go through. I, you know, like even facing whatever's going on now, like I refuse to view myself as a victim of anything. I'm not, I'm willingly taking this stance. I'm willingly speaking out about it. Nobody's forcing this out of me. I mean, yeah, people are trying, you know, there's, there's certain things that you're not able to do, or you've got to find other routes to do them, but I'm willingly taking it on like, right. So I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said about refusing that victim mentality not that there aren't actually victims of things in life but so much of it i mean you know so much of the stuff that we may say we're a victim of we aren't it's our own damn fault a lot of the time like and that's not victim blaming that's not anything like that i'm talking about my own experiences and things where i've said you know oh you know woe is me or i, I can't believe this happened to me and it's like but if you peel back the layers a little bit it's like oh I should have done this differently. I could have done that differently. Like, why did I take this mindset into that? And then you see all the cascading effects of, you know, because I did that and I felt sorry, I did this. And then that happened. Like, I don't know. I just think that that's a perspective shift that a lot of people should, should go through and they should try their best to reject that idea of victimhood whenever they can and take responsibility because it also means you can change it, that you have the power to fix things as opposed to just, being at the whim of every little thing that every way the wind blows. Bro, you, you literally hit on every point I was about to say. I love that, man, because I was going to say, I think that for starters, the fact that you say it the way that you do, like just being in the sense of, you know, this isn't happening to me. I'm willingly taking this on. Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to accept the fact that, you know, someone's going to do this to me. You're like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm doing this to myself. I'm proving a point. Like if you don't understand that, so be it, but I'm doing this. Like this is inside my head. This has nothing to do with the way that you look at me or the way that you look at yourself. So I like that kind of the way that you, you take that stance. It actually even changes the way how I look at my life. I like the way that you said that. Well, and but it shifts the power to you, right? Like, cause you're in control of this situation. And like, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to point that out too. Oh, I love that because that's actually what I was going to touch on next is I feel like the word victim in and of itself has been fucking hijacked. Like, I feel like when you hear about the word victim, like what's the word victim supposed to mean? It means someone was like a victim, like of a crime maybe, or something that happened to them. Right? Like if you're like a victim of burglary, like you didn't control the fact that you were, you had your stuff stolen. But then what next? Like, it's not like everyone in the community just gives you all their shit. Exactly. Like, you're just supposed to go about your life and get like, go out and get some, like go and get some more shit then. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, and I, to me, it's more just the idea that we can be a victim of everything, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I can't even think of it of an example right now. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, even, even recently I was in a little car accident and uh, it was nothing like nobody got hurt, but you know, I could have said, Oh, I'm a victim of circumstance, even though actually in my case, I rear-ended somebody. So it wouldn't be, I I'm not, I'm not a victim in any way, shape or form in this, but uh, you know, I have been, uh, I have been rear-ended before. And when I look back on it, you know, sometimes it was because I break late or I, you know, there were, I had influence into that, that circumstance as well. And so to me, it's just, you know, now it's something that I can learn from. It's not something like, Ooh, every time I go on the road, like I might get hit, like somebody's going to hit me. It's like, no, like I can do my best to mitigate this situation. Like I have been hit before and, you know, I played a role in it. So I'm going to correct that. So now moving forward, there's a less likelihood that I'm going to get hit. Like, and again, not saying that there isn't, there aren't legitimate victims, people who just, you know, you stuff happens, stuff happens to everybody. You know, we we all do have legitimate points of victimhood in our lives, but it's trying to wrestle away the power in as many of those situations as you can and try to learn from it, take responsibility for your part in it, and then use that to adapt and get better. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what I was going to say as well. I want to, I want to circle back to what I said as well. I don't, it's not that I don't believe that the community shouldn't come together or anything. I'm just right. saying that you're not entitled to that, but, right. um, but yeah, I like what you're saying about car accidents as well. Cause even using that analogy, it's not like when you're like, when you get into a car accident, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to go drive because I might get in an accident because I got in an accident before mm-hmm. it's like, well, now you actually know what to do in an accident. Like I literally, I remember listening to your episode where you talked about rear-ending that guy. Right. <laughs> and I remember you talking about how kind of like you guys didn't know how to handle the situation. And that's fucking awkward as shit, dude. Like that in and of itself is so uncomfortable. But now going through that experience, it's not like you're like, oh, shit, what if I rear end someone and I don't know what to do again? Like, you know what to do now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know what to do in case that happens again. Because like you said, life throws curveballs, man. It's not like that's your last fucking accident. Real talk. You know, like, at least now you know what to do. And fuck, dude, you got four boys. You're going to deal with another four first accidents, man. Like, no, for sure. Yeah, for sure. They're they're wild they're crazy but uh yeah no it's um it's just interesting to me like i think it's just it's a perspective shift especially with with everything that's going on nowadays because i I hear it a lot like um i mean you hear it too all the time like oh i'm a victim of this i can't do this i'm not allowed to do this they've taken this away from me it's like no like look at all the other things you can do like for me for example i've tried to use that time to well uh remodel a bit of the house to uh, spend more time with the kids to read a whole hell of a lot more. I mean, yeah, there's certain things I can't do. I also saved money by not going out, you know, for four meals a month. And my wife and I would go out for dinner. Yeah, there's money in my pocket. Like I, I, I don't uneaten, but like it, it does me no good. It does me no good. And if I wanted to, I could change that. I could change that in, you know, one trip to the clinic. If I wanted to, I could change that. And there we go. Now I'm magically allowed to eat inside again. I just don't want to, <laughs> I can take that, take that power. And you know, it's yours. It's, it, you're not a victim of anything. You're, you're, a, you're the master of your own destiny, like 99.999% of the time, uh, apart from the, the odd catastrophe that'll strike people. But uh, why dwell on it? Like there's actually, I, I know I've talked about it a bunch of times, but um, I should post the link again, or if anybody's searching through my socials, you can find it, but there's a, there's an episode call, or there's a, there's an article called, the evolutionary advantages of victimhood. It's by Quillette magazine. It's incredible. Actually, a lot of the studying was done at UBC, which is the University of British Columbia, which is close to both of us, closer to you than me. But 
Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible article and it goes through the evolutionary advantages now that we place on victimhood and, you know, the kind of the social stock that we get from it by being the weakest person in the room or by the most person in the room and, it's a fascinating article. Like I'm not going to behaviorist or I think we're back now. I gotcha. Did you lose me for a second? I did. Yeah, I, did. I know. I, I think my, my interconnection, my internet. Yeah. My connection went unstable. I was just, just talking about checking out that, uh, that episode or that, or that um, article that by Quillette, that evolutionary advantages of playing victim because it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I just I feel like and I just I don't know how to word this exactly, but I feel like this must have been like uh, relevant or I mean, it it must have been in every single generation. But I feel like our generation is the worst for this. Do you know what I mean? I feel like every generation says that, I guess, is a better way to say this. I feel like every generation says that their generation is that we're the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like we're the worst for this like victimhood bullshit, man. I think a lot of it's social media, right? Like we're able to convey it. And then, and then, I mean, you feel good getting the, oh, I'm sorry, or feel it. You feel good getting the recognition for it. And then you feel good for giving the recognition. And I mean, it's also, I think it's a stance where you, you know, even when you're saying, I'm sorry, this happened to you, or you're, you're, you're giving that, like, I think, I think a lot of the people who are, who constantly highlight um, their victimhood, or their, you know, their status of it, I think that, you know, I think it's, it is coming from a place of, you know, you're, you're really trying to highlight that and trying to use it as a kind of a social leverage, like a, a stick to kind of pull yourself up with. But at the same time, like when you say, Oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I really am sorry that that happened to you. Like you, I think a lot of people come at it from not necessarily the best perspective, like, cause they're still feeling like, Oh, well, at least I'm not in that situation. Like it makes you feel better about yourself on two fronts. And I mean, I know personally, like back in the past, like it is so much harder to congratulate somebody on something that is really good than to say, Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you it is so much harder to, to, because you feel your own shortcomings in it too. So there's like, I don't know. I, I think it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword there because it's, it's really easy to say, I'm sorry that that happened to you while still feeling like at least that didn't happen to me. I mean, nobody's openly going to say that you're never going to say that, but I think that there is a part of that, that, that comes out in that because then it's so hard to say, Oh, congratulations. Or, Oh, I'm happy for you when somebody got something that maybe you wanted, or maybe deep down, you're jealous of and you're not actually happy for them. Like, I don't know. I think I, I just, I'm trying to not ignore people's points of real victimhood where, where they really are, you know, something terrible happens. I mean, um, I think that needs to be, you know, we need to come together to support those people, but I'm, I'm trying to make more of a point of congratulating people on points of value in their life and like to really be happy for them, not to just say, congratulations or oh i'm happy for you and then deep down be like god damn it like i wish that that was me like i'm actually trying to be happy for people now and it's i don't know i like it i feel a lot better (laughs) it's it's actually just good to 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 feel gratitude for other people and to to actually be happy for their success like it's i don't know again so much of this stuff comes down to perspective like 
you could it's so much of life is perspective i think yeah i don't know um I don't know how much you've dove into like kind of like the law of the of attraction or any of that stuff, or if that's kind of like too woo woo shit for you, but (laughs) I've always kind of felt like, you know, when you get envious or you get like kind of that negative feeling when someone achieves something, I feel like that's like telling the universe that any sort of achievement will make you feel negative. Like, I feel like that's kind of the way I look at it. And then the same thing goes for like when something happens, like positive, like say like, your podcast blows up and you get a hundred million subscribers on YouTube, even though you don't even have a YouTube channel. And I feel envy, like what I'm telling the universe at that point or God, or however you want to look at it is like that getting that would be bad. Like that's the way I kind of look at it. But I think that regardless of the way you chop it up, I think that, you know, the ability to look at someone that gets something that you'd like or something that they'd like, and it makes them really happy and look at them, even though that's not you and feel happiness is like kind of the erosion of the flawed thought that we're all separate from each other. Like, I think that what you're doing right now and what you're saying is like, there is no other, like, I'm just happy when other people win because I love winning. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just love victory and I love, you know, prosperity in life. And so when other people get that, that makes me excited. I love humans. Like, that's what you're saying, you know, like, and I don't understand how that's not a thought for all of us or why do we have to even try and make that a thought? You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to try and focus on that? Yeah. I don't know. We get so sucked down in envy. I mean, especially with social media now, right? Because everybody, we're always just showing each other's highlights and uh, uh, that's it, right? You don't see the lowlights in people's lives, generally speaking. But, and I was going to say, even taking a different perspective on this, when it comes to being happy for other people, I've been reading a lot of Ayn Rand recently, which um, she she basically comes from the standpoint that uh, selfishness is a virtue. And it's interesting. I wouldn't say that I would go, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that I would align with purely objectivism philosophy, but but she makes a lot of really interesting points. And like, you know, if you wanted to come come at this from a selfish perspective of why you should be legitimately happy for other people, I mean... For me, to you, for example, if your podcast blows up, I will not only be happy for you because, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you're getting that success, but I'm happy because I'm on your podcast and we're friends. So if you blow up, there's a good chance I'm going to blow up too, or at least have more, a broader audience to be give, shown to, right? So, I mean, like, there's so much stuff that like, you can, you can even take a selfish perspective on it and still be legitimately happy for people. Like... I don't know that when a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, that's a good saying. And it's something that, you know, if all of a sudden you get elevated, you know, your friends are going to get elevated too. I mean, they know you, they're going to be experiencing a different lifestyle. They're going to be able to kind of ride that wave. And hopefully that translates into their own success. Like, I just think that there's so many different ways to look at it, whatever way you want to slice it, whatever perspective you want to take, um, you know, being happy for people legitimately for their, their successes in life and getting rid of that envy. I think, I think envy it's, it's so big and it's so ugly nowadays too, right? Like it it just seeps into everything and it's because everything's on social media and you, you see it everywhere. And I mean, um, yeah, it's just, if, if you can get rid of that, if you can actually be happy for people, even if it's for your own, again, your own selfish reasons, be legitimately happy for people. It's just, it's a different way of looking at things. 
Yeah. And I think that even comes back to like, you touched on this earlier and I didn't want to jump right on it because it's kind of all I talk about, but you were like, um, you know, just trying to make that improvement in society comes down to just improving yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where this all, where this all kind of comes down to is like kind of, you know, when you feel envious, it's kind of the, it's, it's, I mean, this isn't the main reason, but I feel like part of the reason is because you feel like you're not really capable of achieving that thing yourself, right? Like when, when I hear about, you know, for example, like this is just me, like when I hear about people that are young and they, they're young homeowners and they buy a house, I'm like, man, that like almost seems unachievable for me. So there's this part of me that wants to feel envious, right? But then I think back and I'm like, okay, but I've made myself uncomfortable and I've achieved X, Y, and Z. Like, if I know that I can keep scaling my goals bigger, then I could achieve that thing, Mm. you know, but nobody's interested in starting to look back and, you know, they want to point the finger at how they can improve society, but they don't want to improve themselves. Right. And that's why they kind of feel that kind of, you know, because they never try to improve themselves, they never do improve themselves. And of course, they never feel confident. So of course, all they're going to feel is that negative energy or envy, right? Like that's kind of where it all boils down to. Yeah, and that self-sabotage is real. Like people, you will self-sabotage your own, your own dreams, your own goals, your own uh, ideals all the time. Like if you let it, right? If you let yourself do that. And I mean, I don't know about you, like it's funny because I... I'm, I'm really not a big motivational guy. Like if you, (laughs) but I know that everybody else gets motivated differently, right? Like even this morning I had to get myself going because my wife and I are working on this pretty big task, this pretty big goal, and it's going to require a lot of work and it's a lot of moving parts. And, um, and I need to really berate myself (laughs) to get myself in gear. (laughs) Like it's, it's not even like, it's not bringing myself down, but it's like, I, I don't know. Like I, that's another thing too, is that I think, um, I think everybody has, you know, you have a different driving force too. Right. So when it, when it comes down to trying to get to those goals, I mean, sometimes it is like digging deep and kind of lashing yourself across the back. Like, like I do, like I, I I could never run a motivational podcast because if I tried to motivate anybody else, like I motivate myself, it would just come across as me yelling at people because it's like, uh, come to my podcast, bro. Yeah, I am my harshest, harshest critic. Like what I have to remind myself of is how many times I, I, uh, you know, I pussied out and I didn't do something and then regretted it. And it's like, uh, I don't know, but I mean, like, you're right. Like everybody has their own way of doing it, but, but being envious is never the way to go about it. It's, it's about taking, taking personal responsibility about recognizing your own input in it, because that's the only thing you can ever control. So if you want to get better, you're going to have to fix yourself because you, there, there are a million things that you have no control over in life. And there's one thing that you have control over and that's you, what you do, how you respond to a respond to a situation and why focus on the thousand other things, the million other things when you can just focus on yourself and it's the only thing you can control. And it's going to give you the best shot at, at advancing forward. Yeah, even right then and there, like that's a perfect way to explain it because even so say like you're listening to us right now and you're like, man, Zach and Mark, they don't fucking get it, man. I feel envy every single day for these people in my life. Like, fine, then if you're going to feel envy, if you're going to feel anger, if you're going to feel any emotion, then use that as fuel. Use that as your motivation. Mm -hmm. Like, Why not use that envy to be like, man, I'm going to make those motherfuckers jealous, man. Yeah, you want to prove them wrong? 
do it. But what do you have to do to prove them wrong? That, that like, again, it doesn't matter what your motivation is. It doesn't matter what gets you out of bed, what gets you amped in, in the morning. Like, it just focus on what you can do and whatever your motivating force is, whatever you can deal with those demons later, but at least get yourself into gear out of bed and going at something. Dude, I, I love that you said that uh, you're like, you want to prove them wrong, then do it. <laughs> it. It literally reminded me, dude, I forgot I completely uh, posted this earlier. I, um, I, w- I even said earlier, not on the podcast, but I said, you know, people are, they claim victimhood or they, they, they are shouting it from the rooftops to try and get attention. But the real way to get attention is to do something that people want to fucking pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, I think we're like, we're almost at the risk of repeating ourselves at this point. I mean, I think it's funny that you had said that too, is that you always talk about the same thing and you, you wanted to glaze over it earlier because I mean, I do the same thing. Like, I think, I, I think that's something that, uh, that I think I'm just kind of getting used to now is that. I mean, the more podcasts that I listen to, the more, the more of the same stuff I've kind of picked up on and not that it's a bad thing. Like maybe that's the perspective you like out of somebody. And maybe the fact that they can tie that into everything is good. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like do something that people will take notice of, do something to be recognized for, do something that you're proud of. And then, I mean, if you're proud of it, other people are going to be proud of it or other people are going to want to do it. They're going to take notice of it. Like again, it can be for selfish reasons. It, it can be for whatever reason you want, you know, deal with that issue later, but at least get yourself driven, motivated and moving forward to doing something like, I, I don't know, uh, like you had talked about just the, it, it ties into cowardice to not having a spine to not doing what's best for yourself to, to just sitting there and, you know, being a jellyfish, just going with the motion of the ocean, like it, take control of something. <laughs> if you want to get over that feeling of apathy and, and that you, you aren't enough, like you are enough, just, you just have to do it. Like, you know, at, at the risk of sounding crude, like give your nuts a tug button and go like, just, just go. Dude, I love it, man. And I do, I keep thinking, like, I'm like trying to think about like, if it was social media that brought this, but like, why I feel like, cowardice and and kind of virtue signaling are like the two things that we kind of are dealing with at the moment like i feel like that's kind of the the foundation for every problem right now that we're facing in society like those two things and i think they kind of are basically the same thing in the in and of themselves like they kind of go hand in hand i mean i mean maybe like i i i try not to kind of get like how did this start that's what i'm saying like how did this start like this is like oh. virtue signaling and and just like kind of like this cowardice of not wanting to speak up about what you actually believe in like how did this start man well i think virtue signaling comes along with um with social media because you can take a stance or say something without actually doing anything right i mean you look at the you look at the protest movements you know of the of the hippie movement of the 60s or of you know, like all these different revolutions through history, like you weren't, you weren't just um, like, you actually had to do something like you, you had to back your words up because you weren't able to just post it on social media. And then people think that you're doing something great. You know, you're virtue signaling, you're, you're, Ooh, look at me. It's like, no, you were actually out there on the front lines doing something. Like you were protesting the wars. You were, uh, you were arguing for, 
you know, gay rights. You were arguing for, you know, an end to segregation, but you were on the front lines. You were doing it. There was no virtue signaling. You were actually a part of a movement. And I think that deep down, like, and I don't think that, I don't think that everybody who virtue signals or probably even the majority of people who virtue signal do it from a bad place. I really don't. Like, I just think, I think that a lot of us want something to fight for. I, I really do. Like, it's something that, you know, we want something that, that we can stand for, that we can, that we can be proud of, that we can, that's bigger than us, right? Something that is worth striving towards. And I think a lot of people get lost along the way. And some people are just jackasses who virtue signal and have no skin in the game, have no real interest in it or no understanding of the repercussions of it or what else is going on. Like, of course, there's going to be those assholes. But um, in general, I think that, I think that people want something to strive for. I mean, I know, I know even in myself, like, and I've had to check myself a number of times on this, like even when it comes to this whole anti-mandate thing, like, am I just doing this for a cause? Am I just doing this because I want to be a part of something bigger? Do I think that maybe this is something bigger? And does, is this, is this just the end? Like, is this not a means to an end? Is this just the end? Is the end the purpose of feeling like I'm part of something? And I've checked myself multiple times and I, I don't think so. Like this is the means to the end. The end is, is the realization of bodily autonomy. Like that is what I want to see. It's not, my end goal isn't just to be a part of a movement. My end goal is to actually see this, this fulfilled, this, this done. Um, but like, it's intoxicating. I mean, it, it's real easy, right? Like you see people online who kind of, they wait to see where, where the discussion is going right like at the beginning they're all stay at home save lives and then i'm not i'm not talking about the people who legitimately change their mind who have it who have a change in opinion because you can tell that too and there are a lot of people like that but but there's a lot of people who you know it's stay at home save lives and then it's like oh no like you know freedom and and it's but it's you can tell the difference between like the virtue signalers who are just going with whatever public discussion is and then people who, you know, some people do legitimately change their mind. And some people are just in it for the sake of being a part of a movement and being a part of a cause. I mean, it's the same thing that happened. And I was at it in the 2011 Stanley Cup riots. Like I, I didn't take part in the riots. We were downtown. We ended up going back to my buddy's um, apartment. But, you know, there were people there who were there with the end goal of starting a riot. And that was a very small minority. You know, like if you look at... The population, I think, of of Canada. I mean, there's there's 10%, roughly is what they're saying, 10 to 20% of people who who aren't vaccinated, who really are taking this seriously. And of that 20%, probably 10% of them are just doing it because it's a political stance or it's a stance they want to be a part of movement. And maybe half of them, you know, the other 10% of the country is saying, like, no, like I really do believe in this. And then there's probably another 20% of the vaccinated individuals who believe in the science of the vaccine, but but believe that this movement is just, it's worthwhile that bodily autonomy should be maintained. Um, but again, going back to the, the riot, I mean, there was a small minority of people who just wanted to start a riot. That was their end goal. There's a lot of people there who weren't there for a riot, but they got swept up in the momentum and then that momentum carried them, right? And they, you know, just get tied up in what's going on and they want to be a part of something, of something exciting, some form of excitement in life. Because I mean, we don't really have we don't have the same kind of conflicts that I think we used to like past generations did. I mean, they're worrying about world war one and world war two and real shit, like real life or death shit, or, 
you know, the social movements of the 50s, 60s, 70s, like real shit that had real consequences. And now, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's enticing. I think a lot of people, and again, I don't think it's coming from a bad, uh, a bad or a malevolent place. I think people just want to be a part of something bigger and it's tough to find meaning nowadays. Like it, for a lot of people that I think that's what people struggle with. I mean, you've, you've read the book. I've read the book man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's one of the most fundamental books I think I've ever read in my life. And it's, it's talking about how Viktor Frankl found meaning in life, despite going through 12 different, I think it was eight to 12 different concentration camps. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, um, he just, he just, uh, did you, did you see that there's a new book released? That's a new translation of one of his other books. No, I didn't, but I'll look it up. It's uh, it's called Yes to Life in, in Spite of Everything. Oh, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's more about his actual like practice, not his uh, experience in the internment camps. Okay. Just literally about his practice and his, uh, you know, just dealing with patients. And um, I think what you're talking about kind of hits even in what some of the theme is there because i would say like we, when you're saying like purpose like that sounds a lot like victor frankl's theories man like obviously because that's what he talks about is purpose mm-hmm. but i think of it as well as like kind of a, a feeling of like adding to society too like yeah it's like kind of like if you don't feel like and like not that people don't add to society i'm not saying that i'm saying like it's an internal feeling of like if I, I feel like I don't add to society. So how, what's the easiest or quickest way that I could add some value. Mm -hmm. And again, like, I don't think it comes from a bad place. 99% of the time, you know, like, I think, I think people just want to, they want to make things better and they know that things aren't perfect. And so they're just trying to find a way, a lot of the times the easiest way that they, they could make things a little bit better, you know? even if they don't fully understand it, which I think is the case in, you know, when you think of classical virtue signaling where it's like, all right, fucking pipe down, buddy. You don't even understand what you're talking about or the consequences that come with that. It's like settle down. <laughs> like, but, but yeah, I think people are just for the most part looking to affect change somehow positively. So you've got a pretty optimistic view moving forward then. It sounds like. It's funny. Cause yeah, I would say that I have a pretty low, I don't know. I, I don't have a very high opinion of like what people are capable of, but uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm overly, I'm optimistic in general. I mean, I'm optimistic about most things. I'm optimistic seeing that the UK is dropping, dropping a lot of their restrictions. I'm optimistic seeing that, you know, we're putting an end to contact tracing. I'm optimistic about a lot of things, but I think I'm also realistic. And I think spending a lot of this last two years reading about the 20th century, hasn't instilled a lot of uh, hope or faith in humanity either. <laughs> Maybe that's my own fault for focusing on on that century, but uh, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, I'm, I'm generally optimistic. I, as, as someone who also reads quite a bit of history, I, I will say this. This has been giving me a bit more optimism. <laughs> if you look further back, it gets worse. <laughs> you make a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no short of barbarism in the in human history. Kidding, man. I'm hoping I'm hoping that um there's gonna be some good human history written soon. I don't know. I feel like this, yeah, going back to the truckers movement, man, like it's kind of something that 
it, it almost it, it feels like it could be like a red herring. Yeah. You think so? I don't know. I just feel like there's been so many times over the last two years, and I feel like everyone kind of maybe feels like this, but I feel like there's just been so many times where it's like, hey, by the way, like we're almost out. We're almost <laughs> out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Canada's been dangling that carrot for a long time. We all remember when 70% vaccination was the the goal of 12 and up, and now we're at 80, I don't know. 90. Well, we're What's over, next? we're over 90% at 12 and over. And What's I, next? I, I hear you. I, I hear you. I mean, to me, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I really do think that, um, I think the good things are coming and it was funny. Cause I was at, I know we were talking off mic, but I was at, um, uh, a rally in Vancouver this last Saturday about, uh, about an end to the mandates, obviously. And I had my, my two oldest kids who are 10 and six. And, uh, it's funny cause we were, we were just talking to people in the crowd and we were, we we're walking along with them. And this, this elderly lady like said to my kids, she's like, you know, there's a, there's a chance that your kids might read about this in a textbook one day, you know, and you're gonna, you're gonna be able to say you were there. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't put that much importance, I think in anything that I'm a part of. <laughs> it's just because I'm more like, I'm more like anything that happens in my life isn't going to be that important. <laughs> like that, That's just my view. Maybe it's self sabotage again but um i i just it, it dawned on me though it's like you know that's that's interesting like maybe just maybe they'll have pictures from this or they'll talk about these rallies one day and my kids will be able to say to their kids or to their grandkids like oh i was there like i was there with your grandparents or with your great grandparents right like and i think i don't know it's cool i think i am optimistic though of, of moving forward I'm, I'm optimistic with the way things are going and um yeah, I don't know. I had never given much thought of it to being a red herring, and I, I don't think I will because I'm just trying to stay optimistic. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just take it as it comes. Yeah, I feel you, man. Before before we jump off, you want to talk about that rally a little bit because uh, I I was gonna ask you a couple of questions about like kind of not really how you feel about them, but I guess maybe how you feel about them. Do you feel like like do you feel like they are because obviously there's progress being made and I do appreciate them, but do you feel like the rallies themselves like are valuable or useful? Like, obviously you, you, you find some value in them. Otherwise you wouldn't bring your family there, but like kind of, I was wondering to pick your brain because I've been to a couple as well. And I've kind of been asking myself this as well, because I've had the same feelings as you in terms of like questioning myself, like, is this really something I believe in? Like, is this something that I'm just doing to kind of maybe feel connected to, or, you know, like a, a an identity grab because of something else I believe in. So I latch onto this idea. And then, you know, I find myself going to these rallies and I'm like, man, I used to laugh at people that would go to protests and here I am. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I was kind of, I've, I've even kind of had this debate in my head, but I was wondering just so like for anyone else that's kind of having this debate in their head, like what, like, what do you, what's the point of going there to just put it bluntly? Well, to me, it's the same point of speaking up or of, of having an opinion on anything. It's to have your voice counted, right? It's to, to me, it's more than, it's more than anything. Like, yes, it's selfish in the sense that I, it, it kind of boosts your confidence to me. It, it helps me feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Right. Because it's really easy to feel isolated, especially in 2022 when everything is online, you know um, it's 
we just we just don't have those same social bonds at this point. We aren't allowed to to socialize the same way. All of that stuff. So to me, part of it is a uh, is a socialization a so socialization aspect where I just like to know that there's other people out there who do think the same way. I'm not alone. Um, but the biggest thing to me is to show other people. Like I often keep in mind that, and you know, you you'll see people in the high rises in the skyscrapers in Vancouver banging pots and pans out their windows, right? Like in support. And for me, it's more about those people. It's about the onlookers. I mean, I even I even posted something on Instagram on my story. I think I tagged CBC Vancouver as we were walking right outside the CBC building. And I said, ignore this CBC. And um, because I know that none of them get any any recognition in the media. Right. And so that's kind of frustrating. But at the same time, what can you do about it? There's nothing you can do. So the only way to do it is to show up in numbers in mass and it's for the other people. It's for the onlookers. Like maybe next time, I don't know, Vancouver is so densely populated, maybe an extra 200 people from those high rises. Now, instead of banging their pots and pans, they're out there marching with you. So you get 200 people and then, you know, a few hundred people more come in next time. Like people start to see it. It gets, it, you see snippets of it on social media and it just starts to grow that way. Because I mean, when you're not getting, you're not getting any attention from the media. You're not getting any attention that way. I mean, they like, if you saw reports of it, it was that a couple hundred people were there. I can tell you it was probably around six to 7,000. And, you know, it, but all they had was a little picture at the very beginning at the, in front of the Vancouver art gallery saying a couple hundred people, anti, a couple hundred hardcore anti-vaxxers congregated today. And it's, that's not it. Like I'm walking beside, like I said, like elderly ladies, I'm walking beside families, other people with kids with, you know, people are just coming out there. We're talking, we're socializing. Um, you know, there's food trucks there, which, Good on the food trucks. I would capitalize on that too. You got 7,000 people walking around Vancouver working up a hunger. I would be parking my food truck right at the art gallery too. But um, it, it's just, I don't know. It's a good, fun social atmosphere. And to me, more than just the effects that I get out of it, like this time, this is the first time I brought my kids to it. I wanted them to see what it was. And we explained it to them. We explained to them that this is for the right to bodily autonomy, that you can have the vaccine or you, or you, can choose not to, but um, that needs to be a right that's maintained and up to the individual. And, you know, I had obviously explained it to them in different words than that, being that they're 10 and six, but I got the point across. They understood it. And, uh, you know, it was cool for them to see other kids. They were hanging out, running around with other kids. You know, a bunch of my extended family was there. So we were running around with them. We were all hanging out. Like it was just a good, fun social gathering. And hopefully, you know, to any onlookers or to other people who see it leaked on social media, uh, they come out and join next time because there's strength in numbers. It's it's strength and solidarity. And it's the same thing with adding your voice on social media or, or um, with these truckers. I mean, it's it, there's strength in numbers and you can't ignore numbers like that. Like if 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 the marches in Vancouver got up to 20,000, 30,000 people, that's something that you cannot ignore. It'll shut down the city core. And just like these truckers are planning on shutting down the city of Ottawa, the capital of Canada, you cannot ignore that. And so it's strength in numbers. And again, like it's also less scary it, when you have strength in numbers, it's not as scary to add your voice to it or to, to stand up for it. It's it, it takes the fear out of it because it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're taking the stance alone. 
Dude, I, I honestly, I love that, man, because that's the same way that I felt when I went to the first, the, the two that I went to, but, um, it's, it's, it's cool to see that. I think that it is having that ripple effect before, because I was, I was kind of honestly a little disheartened after kind of like the first time I had gone to one, because I was like, kind of, I felt the same things you felt. I was like, man, I, I don't feel alone anymore. Like, look at all these people. Like there's more people than I could fucking count. If you gave me a lifetime. Like it was probably the most amount of people that I've been around since I can't even remember the last time. The last time I went on in an airport, which was over fuck, five years ago now. And I don't think airports will look like that again, <laughs> but I, 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 I love that man. And I felt disheartened only because I saw all these people that kind of, they were, they were there people that I had known or people on social media that I knew and I was like, okay, like all these people believe in what I believe in. They're going to stand up the way that I'm standing up. And then I kind of saw them all go back to their regular lives. And, you know, you can kind of argue about how, how standing, what standing up looks like to you. But I just feel like it comes down to kind of what we were saying before about values and kind of living with your values. Because I just feel like it's so, yeah, it's just so difficult when, you know, people's words are aligned with one thing, but then their actions empower the other side. And it's, it's such a difficult thing, but I think that we're kind of climbing out of that now when we see things like these truckers movements. Like, I think that only things like that could have happened had the rallies happened first because they wouldn't have seen how much support they would get. Exactly. It's one step at a time. I mean, um, yeah, that, that's all it is. And it's, it, like you said like it, you can have different different ways of viewing like what does standing up mean what does it count for i mean um like you've heard podcast episodes that i have had with carla that i i really enjoy doing like um and we purely got connected because of because of speaking out about this you know like a lot of connections that i've made are just because speaking out you get in contact with like-minded people and it it's, honestly it emboldens you right like um i think i said it even in the last episode like i get lots of crazies now too right like <laughs> it happens it's unavoidable right it's unavoidable but um but at the same time you know it, it it's good like it, it's good you, there's you start to get connected with a lot of like-minded people and you it, i don't know I, I don't i don't have anything bad to say about it i think since since just kind of speaking out more than anything like i just feel comfortable with myself like i I don't feel like I have anything left unsaid. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. You know, I, who cares what other people think? If you can go to bed at night and you're comfortable with it and you'd feel like there's nothing else left on the table that you should have said or you should have done, um, that counts for a, a whole hell of a lot, even if it doesn't get recognized on social media. Yeah, and it, I mean, that, yeah, that kind of boils down to everything in life. Like, that's kind of like, man, just did you try your best to do any everything to the best of your ability throughout your day in general, not just like in terms of like politics or making these huge, massive stands in society. Yeah. Yeah. And don't worry about the numbers either. Like, don't worry if, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, yeah. Like even on social media, you'll get, you'll get the odd person who shouts down to you or might delete you off social media or, um, you know, just tells you to shut up or stay in your lane or whatever it is. Like, at this point, like I said earlier, I mean, we're coming into year three. If this hasn't, 
especially as a Canadian with the the draconian mandates and the way that the, our government has cracked down on it. You're fucking lying if you say that this doesn't affect your life. And so, yeah, you've got a right to speak up about it. Every single one of us has been affected by this and is still being affected by this, despite the fact that I can turn on my TV, watch an NHL game, an outdoor game from Minnesota with 38,000 fans in attendance packed shoulder to shoulder while, you know, our hockey arenas are shut down because nobody's allowed inside or you're allowed 50% capacity. It's so if anybody tells you that you should just stay in your lane, you have nothing to say here. Yeah, I'm sorry, but fuck them because you do have a voice in this. This has affected our lives for long enough. Um, and uh, yeah, if you don't speak up now, then when? What are you going to wait till you're five? Like, what's stopping you? <laughs> like, who cares? Like, you know, you're going to break a couple of eggs. You're going to have a few, a few friends that you know change their opinion of you. But as long as you're being true to yourself, I mean, this goes back to the quote that we had read earlier that your girlfriend shared today. Like. As long as you're being true to yourself, I mean, like, why, why bother lying just for other people's sakes? Like, you're just, you're just destroying your own soul. Like, just, just be true to yourself. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And not only that, but I'm just kind of thinking back because when you're saying things like, you know, it kind of, not just. Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But I think when you're talking, what was I just thinking about? Dang, dude. It is getting lost. late. We're, we're talking about, um, but just staying true to yourself about, you know, like speaking up about um, finding your voice, not worrying about, you know, if a few people. No, you know what it was, man. I, I was actually just, I got caught up because I was thinking about a couple of the other conversations that we had a couple of weeks back. And um, it just, it, it kind of crossed my mind when you were thinking about, you know, watching the hockey game and, being able to kind of look at, you know, in America, seeing how these people are just functioning in their regular everyday lives. And then we're kind of being impacted by this on a daily basis. And I think that when you're talking about everyone being impacted, that was the thing that reminded me of what I was talking about or what I was thinking about talking about. You, you have to forgive me. This will probably be the last rant I get to go on before my brain just completely shuts me down. Right. Oh, now. no, I, I was saying we're going to have to close this out pretty quick. So, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, this is something that impacts everybody. And we kind of got into this mess because we were kind of forced to not sympathize with people because we all should sympathize with people. But we were kind of forced to kind of over sympathize with a hyperinflated number of people. And I think that everyone kind of jumped aboard because we all are compassionate people. We all do care about our fellow citizens. That's kind of the value that we have in Canada. I was going to say, I think that's a staple of Canadian society. Yeah, exactly. Like we, that, that we're all compassionate, that we all care about each other. And I think that we've kind of like taken our eye off the ball off that because we've now kind of divided ourselves and kind of thought of people as other, because I think that, at this point, like you're saying, you'd have to be looking at yourself in the mirror and lying to yourself if you think that this hasn't impacted. Like, obviously, I'm going to take the approach of mental health because that's what I always talk about. But everyone's been impacted by this mentally, mm -hmm. physically, like every in every way possible, financially, emotionally, like it, it's kind of time to just take a look at, you know, and I, I wouldn't even be like, I'd love to have every single mandate end tomorrow. But that's not where I would even say, like, would make me happiest. 
would make me happiest would just be able to have people look at one another and be like, dude, I just want the best for us at this point and be able to just be able to look at the facts of how many people this is impacting on different levels that isn't always tangible. Like the, the actual impact on Canada for everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Like I, I think it's uh, I think it's torn apart the fabric of the country. I mean, you, you talked about it there as othering people, but it's, it's so true. And it's something that, um, you know, Canada has always been a welcoming place an open place to different mindsets, different beliefs to different everything. You know, we've had medical autonomy, we've had, um, you have patient rights, you've got, you've got, you do have individual rights afforded by the charter of rights and freedoms, but you know, uh, that, that just in case clause, I forget what, what exactly it's worded as, you know, that's really getting stretched. Um, to the point where it does feel like it's doing um, irreparable damage, I think, to the social fabric. Uh, and the unfortunate part of all of this, and I've, I've talked about it recently, is the remarks right from the Prime Minister, you know, referring to um, anybody who is unvaccinated as they, as them, as these people, as quite literally... Um, saying that they're, for the most part, racist, misogynistic, um, against progress, anti-scientific. All of these terms, again, coming from the highest office in the country, emboldening people to hold those beliefs, emboldening that othering of people in Canada. If you substituted any classification of people, any group of people for unvaccinated any group, I don't care what group it was, any race, any ethnicity, any sexual identity, and any anything, if you substituted any group for unvaccinated in that, that would be completely, that would be unacceptable speak by any country standards anytime right now, right? But it's not because we've come to this point where it's fine to other people who have a different opinion on what is going on. And again, by changing the term of anti-vax, it doesn't even solely mean people who aren't vaccinated. It means anybody who is against the mandates. That means anybody who is against childhood vaccination, um, despite the fact that they're incredibly low risk, um, despite you know any of this stuff. If you hold any opposing views to today's current zeitgeist, you are othered and you are thrown into that group and there is no snapback for that. There's no, no reaction, nothing. It's, it's accepted from the highest office in Canada. And that's what, what worries me the most. Yeah. I've kind of come up with this, this saying in the last like week or two, and this is going to probably be the most clever thing I say all night, but um I came up with this saying, man, and I don't know if I came up with this, but I, this saying has been in my head for the last week, but the quality of a society is directly related to the amount of tolerance people have for other people that are different than them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very well said. I think that, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's a really good point. Like, I, I feel like that's where we've kind of lost a control of everything where like, we've kind of gotten to the point where a, we accept these labels that people kind of, like in what world did we ever think of, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated before two years ago? Like that, mm -hmm. those terms, I never, I never thought of those terms before those things, but we've now allowed, like, we've just accepted, okay, th that's the way we categorize society now. Mm -hmm. Like it, it seems so insane to me. Yep.
Yeah, and you substitute those terms for anything else, and it's their complete no-no words. You you cannot say that you can't classify people that way, but for this, it's fine. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, and in any other way, like even just the way that, like say, like the lies have come down or anything in the media. Like, it's kind of like if you were to substitute that in any other situation, like if you were to be like, yo, uh, I'm in this relationship and this person lies to me all the time. And because of that, it kind of pushes my life in a really negative direction. But they say it's for my best interests and for for the good of my health. Every one of your friends would be like, you need to get out of that relationship instantaneously. Like, you need to do it tomorrow. And you'd be like, I guess I should. But for this situation, it's like, no, all's good, man. It's all good. All's good. All's good. Just keep listening to them. And that's the other thing too, as far as why it matters to show up in numbers and why I'm so optimistic about this trucker thing, because there's estimates of 500,000 people walking into Ottawa. We got to remind these fuckers who they work for, who their bosses are, because you know, it's real easy for them over these past two years to, you know, introduce case to rule from his little cottage coming out on his front steps to a bunch of cameras and microphones every day um, from his ivory tower. You got to remind these people who they work for, who are their employers and who they serve, because, you know, there is pol- politics was considered um, public service right like you're working for the public <laughs> i don't think that i don't think that anybody especially in the liberal party or even for that matter the official opposition party the conservatives i mean that a lot of the discussion coming from the leadership there it doesn't sound like they're they're keeping that in mind at all anymore it's they know best they're the rulers and we're just lucky enough to have them watching out for us we got to remind these people who they work for, who their employers are, and that this title is public service. This isn't this isn't um, all-knowing overlord. You're a public servant. Start fucking acting like it. Hundred percent, man. I've got my own kind of theory on that in terms of how how uh, we should adjust the way that they behave. But uh, I we we can save that for another time. I just think they should be paid directly proportionate to. Uh, the economy of their jurisdiction. That's the way I look at it at this point. Yeah, it would snap them into line pretty quick. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Municipal, like on a, on a city level, on a provincial level, and on a federal level, you get paid directly proportionate to the, the economy of your jurisdiction. Hey, what do you mean? I added $3 trillion in debt. Well, sorry, buddy. Your kids pay your, up. Yeah, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids are still going to be paying off your personal debt, buddy. So... Should have done a better job. Yeah, Alberta, for some reason, they fluctuate quite a lot. Hey, Alberta's the economic driver of Canada. We can't can't bully them too much. Without them, province of Quebec wouldn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And Neither would the Maritimes. Yeah, no kidding, man. I don't think, uh, and looking at, and this will be a shot at every other province, shot fired in every direction, but I couldn't pick a better neighbor than Alberta right now. No, me neither. They're the best. But uh, yeah, anyway, man, I should get off here. I'm dozing fast. Yeah, man. Well, my brain was only on for about half of this. So I'm, I'm pretty much half asleep already, bro. <laughs> Thank you so much for your patience with me tonight, man. No worries. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll release this on both and uh, see what happens.
Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a good night, all right? Thank you, you too. Peace out, brother.